0: take A look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, and we're looking at uh, five reasons why good people don't go to heaven. And uh, let me start out with this a farmer went into his banker and announced that he had bad news and good news. Well, let's hear the bad news first, said the banker. Well, said the farmer, I can't make my mortgage payments, and that crop loan I've taken out for the past 10 years. I can't pay that off either. Not only that, I won't be able to pay you the couple of hundred thousand I still have outstanding on my tractors and other equipment. So I'm going to have to give up the farm and turn it all over to you for whatever you can salvage out of it. Well, silence, as you can imagine, prevailed for a minute. And then the banker said, what's the good news? Well, the good news is that I'm going to keep on banking with you. All right. So what do we learn from that? that? Sometimes what people think is good news really isn't. Sometimes what you think is good news is really bad news. And we started last week with two observations. I have them there in your notes. Two observations about going to heaven. Observation number one is this. Not everyone, not everyone is going to heaven. And Jesus made that very clear in Matthew 7, where he said there's a broad way and there's a narrow way. And many are on the broad way that leads to destruction, But only few will find and be on the narrow way. And then he said further down, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on, these people, they were doing good things and they thought they were good people. In fact, they thought they were good enough to go to heaven, but they didn't. And we said that uh, like the Negro spiritual, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Not necessarily going there. And that led us to observation number two. Most people believe, though, that good people do go to heaven. Most people do believe that. And and I looked right there in the same gospel of Matthew, that Matthew 7. Look at Matthew 19. Notice what happened to Jesus one day. And behold, a man came to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do? Now think about that. What good deed must I do? have eternal life and here's what jesus said to him why do you ask me about what is good there's only one who is good if you enter eternal life keep the commandments then he went on to explain to this young man that really no one is good enough and if you intend to get to heaven by keeping god's word or keeping commandments or keeping your list of rules you're just not going to make it. And so we've been answering that question. Now look at Romans chapter 10 and verses 1 through 4. In this these four simple verses that launch us in chapter 10, Paul's been giving us five reasons why good people won't go to heaven. Let's take a look at the passage and read it again. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that is Israel, who has rejected Christ, Israel that is hardened and unbelieving Is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God, and seeking to establish their own, their own righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes man this is power packed and we saw that the first two reasons why good people won't go to heaven is simply this being religious is not good enough the jews that he's praying for are a religious people and not only that but their religion that they focused on was a revealed religion from the one true god i mean they are focused on that which god had revealed to them and yet being religious is not enough now in today's society, most people will reject being religious. They say they are what? Spiritual. We're spiritual. I'm passionate about spiritual things. I'm I'm really into that. I read it. I I'm just into spiritual things. And we saw last week number two that being zealous, or you could say spiritual, or passionate about spiritual things, is not good enough. If it's not core if it's if it's not according to knowledge, true knowledge of God and what he expects. Look at verse two. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. Yeah, they're passionate, they're spiritual, they really get into what they're doing, but not according to knowledge. And we looked at all the impact of zeal without knowledge, and we saw that there were four observations of that. You can go back and, and review that. But let me see this morning. Let's look at three more reasons why good people won't go to heaven because Paul's not done making his case. Let's look at number three. Reason number three is this. Doing good is not good enough. Doing good is not good enough. Or you could say doing good is never good enough. Because look at verse three again. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God being spiritually blind, spiritually deceived about what God requires to make someone right with Him, what did they do? They did two things. And seeking to establish their own, their own what? Their own righteousness. In other words, we're going to seek to make ourselves good enough to go to heaven. We're going to seek to make ourselves right with God. And in doing that, they did not submit to God's righteousness well let's talk about doing good a little bit the Jews were extremely diligent to do good uh, you could uh, write over Israel I mean they would have been great uh, advertisers for Avis rent a car because what does Avis rent a car what did they used to say what's their motto we try harder we try harder now that that does just rebuild my age didn't it? we try harder it was a great ad. The only problem is it's bad when you're trying to measure up. When you're trying to measure up, we try harder. And they were always trying harder. They are always trying harder to be better and do gooder. Okay, did you get me? They are always trying harder to be better and do gooder. And there's a whole lot of people that you live next to, that you work with, that you know who are trying harder to be better and do gooder At this time of year, especially at the beginning of the year. I mean, that's just, that's what they do. Religion is always spelled, and this is the difference between Christianity and religion. Religion is always spelled do. Now, each religion has their own do list. But every religion has a do list. Every religion created by man as a means of reaching up to heaven says, here's the rungs on the ladder, and you got to hit each step, and you got to measure up. Now, this is what the majority of Jews were trying to do. They were trying to, to do enough good to be right with God. Turn back over to Romans 9, verses 31 and 32. This is how hard they were trying to do good. Look at Romans 9, 31 through 32, and notice what it says. But that Israel, Israel who pursued a law, they that's a uh, that's a word for racing. I mean, they were running. They were striving. We're going to do better. We're Avis Car. They pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. They ran, but they never reached the goal. They're, they're on the treadmill. They're running, they're running, they're running, but they're not getting anywhere. They're not getting where they're trying to go. Notice why? Because they did not pursue it by faith but as if it were based on works, we're trying harder, we're doing more. This is what Paul tried to do before Christ captured him on the road to, uh, to Damascus. This is what Paul was trying to do. Turn your Bibles to Philippians 3.9. Philippians 3.9. And notice what Paul said. This is his, his testimony. Here's what I was, Here was what I was trying to do. Now, I'm not trying it any longer. I was trying to be good. Good enough to go to heaven. Look at Philippians 3, 9. He's saying, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from law. Now, he's saying this after he was saved, but before he was saved, that's exactly what he was trying to do. He was trying to have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. That is almost the exact same thing that Paul says. In Romans 10, verse 3, almost the exact same thing. A righteousness of my own that comes from the law, which is simply saying that which comes
1: from me doing good and doing myself. In other words, here's what many people are saying
0: about how they're going to get to heaven. I can do this. I can do this. I just need to be a little bit better. Or they're saying, I have done this. I've done enough. And my good outweighs my bad. I can do enough good to be good enough to go to heaven. Now, let me give you four reasons why doing good is not good enough. Doing good. And, and, and let me challenge you. If you know Jesus this morning, these are things that you ought to have in your head. These are things that you can share at work. These are things that you can share in a conversation with your neighbor, assuming we talk to them, uh, that you can share when you're witnessing number one you never know if you've done enough you never know the problem with doing good to get to heaven is you never know if you've done enough here's what you do if i have i forgot something did i miss something and i may have done this to please god but i did i do it right did i do it enough you know was i was i passionate enough? was i zealous enough and did I do it enough times? Does it outweigh my bad? These are all the things that you can never know if you're trying to measure up. The vast majority of people only think, now listen to this, the vast majority of people only think they might be good enough to go to heaven. You Rarely will you find someone who says to you and looks you right in the eye without blinking, I am good enough to go to heaven. Instead, when you ask people, if you died right now, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? What do most people say? I hope so. I I think so. And then they will launch into what? An explanation of what they have been trying to do. And usually compared to who? Compared to someone else. Well, I, I don't do what a lot of people do. I... I do try to be a good person. The sad thing is they can never be sure that they've done enough. Uh, Reading this week, that passage again about the rich young ruler, I had never noticed this. It struck me. That rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, what must I do to get to heaven? Now, we know he had been doing good all of his life. Why is he asking the question? Why? Because he doesn't know. He's not sure. And he's encountering Jesus. Jesus, who is righteous. Jesus, who is perfect. And he's going, whoa, here's one that I don't measure up to. And then Jesus tells him some things to do, not because he knew he could do him, but to get him to the point where he realized. So he, he tells him some things he could do. And he purposely picks the things that he knows the guy has done. And he says, I've done them from my youth. And then he asked this key question. But what do I lack? You see, you can never know. You can be really, really good, but you'll never know. And then, of course, Jesus tells him the one thing that was a heart issue. He, he looked at his heart idle and he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And the man went away sad because he was very rich. Jesus didn't say by selling, you'll get to heaven. The point was, you've got a God that you're trusting in. You've got to let go. Anyway, amazing, amazing. You'll never know enough. Number two, you can never do enough. It gets worse. It gets worse. Not only can you never know, the reason you can never know is because you can never do enough. Look at Romans chapter three, verse 10. I'm going to give you a lot of verses in Romans because by the time we get to Rome, here's here's a profound Bible thought. By the time you get to Romans 10, he's already written 1 through 9. Okay, in other words, everything that he's saying, he's assuming that we've read and we've understood. And I know we've jumped into our study. So let's take a look at Romans three ten. You can never do enough. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. All right, enough. I've got the point, but we don't have the point. We just don't get it because we keep trying. Avis, we try harder. Go to YouTube. You'll find it. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The glory of God is the standard. There's the standard of righteousness. Now, if we're going to say, okay, my good's going to outweigh my bad. Well, you know what? Your good may outweigh your bad. But the point is, your good is still not measuring up to the standard. Okay? And the reality is, even our good is tainted. Now, when I try to share the gospel with someone, I always use the illustration of, let's go out and we'll have a contest of throwing a rock. We're going to have a a rock-throwing contest or a baseball-throwing contest, and we're going to try to hit the North Pole. And typically, I'm talking to someone who could... Throw that rock far farther than me. But then I tell them, that's not the point. You may win and throw the rock farther than I. But if the goal's the North Pole, who is going to win? No one. It's all going to fall short. It's all going to fall short. Well, it's the same way. We're in, a, we're in a do good contest, and the goal is who can do good as good as God. Who can be as good as the glory of God? And the fact is, we all fall short. And then when you go to Isaiah 64, 6, it gets even worse because here's the thing. That good that we're offering up and hoping, I'm hoping that this is going to be good enough. Here's what Isaiah, Isaiah 64, 6. This is the net Bible translation. And and, and what you're going to hear is a very literal translation. We are like the one who is unclean for all our so-called righteous acts are like a menstrual rag in your sight. Yes, that's in the Bible. That's literally what the Hebrew is referring to when he says our righteousness is as filthy rags. The filthy rags was what in their culture used, it was the menstrual rag that you would
1: throw away. That's unclean. I can't believe you're even talking of that. Well, that's the point. Your best day When you offer it up and say, God, is it good enough? He says, get that out of my sight. That
0: is so tainted by sin. That is so falling short of my standard. Throw it
1: in the trash. Don't speak of it. Don't touch it. Get it out of my sight. I think we're in trouble.
0: I think we're in trouble. We can never do enough. Third reason why doing good is not good enough you will never submit to God's way of being right. As long as you're trying to do good, you'll never submit to God's way of being right. Why? Because you're too busy establishing your own righteousness, too busy trying harder to actually stop, repent of what you're trying to do, and receive the free gift that Jesus offers in His own righteousness. And that's, look at verse 3 again, Romans 10, verse 3. For being spiritually ignorant of God's righteousness, and remember we said that's not only his standard, it's his saving action and the standing of being right with him. Here's what they do when they don't understand God's standard. They seek to establish their own standing with God, their own standard, and they do not submit to God's righteousness. You see, many of us, here, here's what happens. There's a whole group of people that think, I'm going to do enough good to outweigh my bad. I'm not, I, I'm not sure, but that's what I think. And then there's another group that says, I'm going to keep doing good, but I'm going to add believing on Jesus to that. Because that's a good thing, too. So that kinda, I kind of got it covered both ways. I got some good works to offer, and hey, that Jesus guy that seems so important, I've got him to offer up too. And then there's the group that says, Look, my good, my bad, it doesn't matter. It's not enough, and all I have, all I have is Jesus. So I ask you this morning, which of these three groups are you in? Which of these three groups? Now listen, look up here. Which of these three groups are you in? Are you in the group that's saying, My good? is good enough, and I'm going to bank on that. Are you in the group that you're still trying to do good, plus believe in Jesus? Or are you in the group that says, look, there's nothing I can do. It's only Him. You are in
1: one of those three groups this morning. Now, here's the reality. No one can try to be
0: good enough and believe in Jesus at the same time. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. And this is why those who think they can be good enough to go to heaven are often offended by the gospel. Because here's what the go- the gospel starts out with the bad news, and the bad news is you're not good enough to go to heaven. And if you're trying to be good enough and someone says, "Hey, I got good news for you." But the good news begins with saying you're not good enough. And you've been trying so hard to be good enough. You're going to be offended. You're going to be offended until you let go of that and say, "You're right. I'm not good enough." This is why Those who seek to be good enough to go to heaven are too proud to admit their sins. I don't want to admit my sins because I'm trying to measure up. And if I acknowledge I've got more sin than what I than what I want to acknowledge, then all of a sudden, you know, it's it's the scale thing. Okay, I thought my good was outweighing my bad. But every time I admit I sin, what happens? The, the, The scales tilt. So what's the best way to do that? Well, just don't admit that I sin. Well, that ain't that bad. I'm not Hitler. I'm not Saddam Hussein. I'm not my boss. You know, I'm not my spouse. I'm a pretty good guy. That that was an illustration, Gwen, that had nothing to do with you. This is why those who can be good enough to go to heaven sometimes are quick to accept the gospel. Listen, those of us who witness to Christ, we need to be careful that people understand. Because here's what, when you're a do-gooder, all the gospel is, is another good thing to do. Are you with me? And so you've got to establish, you're not believing in Jesus to add another good work. You're not trusting in Christ because you're going to be able to say, see, see what I did. No, you're trusting in Christ because there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. Number four, the fourth reason why doing good is not good enough. You will always get what you deserve and work so hard for. Now, this is the bad news about being good. You will always get what you deserved and work so hard for. Look at Romans 10 5. We're going to see this next week. Romans 10 5 comes right after this passage we're reading in Romans. For Moses writes about the righteousness that's based on the law. Okay, if you're going to try to be good enough to go to heaven, this is what Moses writes the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Hey, that's good news for the do gooder. Hey. But what's it what's it say again? The one who does. The commandments will live by him. If you could keep God's word and law perfectly, you would go to heaven.
1: You would go to heaven because that's the standard. And how many will say we have done that?
0: Love the Lord your God with all your heart? Really? Your whole life? Have no other gods before you? Nothing's become between you and God and doing his will? No, we're all condemned. Now, here's here's the deal. God does not, well, let me add Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin, that which you earn for trying to be good enough is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now, God doesn't grade on a curve. You've got to remember that. God doesn't grade on a curve. It's pass-fail with God. It's pass-fail. And so what does that mean? Well, James, James chapter 2. Turn your Bibles, James chapter 2, 10 through 11. James chapter 2, 10 through 11 tells us what that means. And really, here's what he's going to say. You break one, you break them all. You break one, you break them all. That James 2, 10 through 11. For whoever keeps the whole law, Okay, and and, and the Jews counted these up because that's what people who try to do good do. They figure out they're like good sports competitors. What do I have to do to win? Okay, what, what do I have to do? Well, they measured up. There's over 600 commands. And here's what he says. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. That's a powerful thing. Listen, break one of God's laws and you're accountable to him for them all. Wow. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, there, I'm good. But do murder, ugh, I've been hateful. You become a transgressor of the law. It's like, remember, when, what did you tell your kids when you took them into a, a place with a lot of expensive fine glass or china? What did you say to them? Don't touch. Why? Because there was a little sign there that said what? You break it, you buy it. You break the law, you bought the whole you you're, you're paying for the whole thing. You break it, you're cursed. You break the law, you're under the curse of the law. In sports, what do they say? You play by the rules and you you die by the rules. Listen, if you're going to play by rule-keeping, if you're going to play by that, you either you live by it or you die by it. Besides, people who do good don't even measure up to their own standards. No, oh, the bad news is getting worse, but look at Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Here's the irony of it. You say, well, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I don't care about God. I don't care about God. Some of you are trying to win over friends and neighbors who are atheists or agnostics. I don't care about God or his standards because I don't believe him. I set my own standards. And here's what God says about that. Romans 2, 1 through 3. Therefore, you have no excuse, oh man. Every one of you who judges for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, oh, man, you who judge those who practice such things yet do them yourself that you will escape the judgment of God? All God has to do.
1: When we die is say, tell me what your standard is. Okay, God, here's what I think. If I did this,
0: this, and this, and I didn't do that, that, and that, you ought to let me into heaven. God say, okay, I'm going to judge you by that standard. And you know what he's going to say? You didn't even live up to your own standard. You did not even, I mean, you know, by the end of February, we ought to all realize that. How's your uh, New Year's resolutions going? Right? It doesn't take long to fall short. Wow. Okay, that brings us then to the fourth the fourth uh, reason why none of us are good enough to go to heaven. That's it. That's it's this keeping rules is not good enough. Keeping rules is not good enough. Why? Look at verse four. Here's his fourth reason for Christ is the end of the what? End of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, Again, this is one of those verses in Romans. is one of the hardest ones to understand. There's a lot of controversy about. I just want you to first notice he's talking about the law now. Keeping rules is not good enough. Jews were great law keepers and they were great rule makers. And people without Jesus, they're that way too. They're great rule keep uh, law keepers. They seek to be law keepers and they they seek to be rule makers in order to be saved, stay saved. Or show that they are safe. But I want to make two observations based on this verse. And the first is this. And this one you need to listen to. Listen, I mean, you need to listen to all of it. But listen really hard, okay? The law was never given in the Old Testament so people would keep it in order to be safe. Now, you need to mark that. You need to underline that. Too many of us believe, a, con- and, and I have struggled with this, because it just kind of comes across like this. Here's what a lot of people think. In the Old Testament, you kept the law to be saved. You did these things, and God said, Hey, you did them, now you're saved. In the New Testament, all you do is believe in Christ to be saved, and who cares about keeping God's law or rule? Well, both is a mi- misunderstanding. The law was never given in the Old Testament so people could keep it. Let me show you a couple verses. I have them there Romans, Galatians, they're all written out in your notes, because I just want you to look at them. For by the works of the law, No human being will be justified, that is, declared right. That's all that word means, declared right in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The law was never given to save you. It was to show you that you couldn't save yourself. Look at the next one. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by, and there's that dreaded three-letter word, all Things written in the book of the law and do them. Ouch. No, Now it is evident that no one is justified. There he says it again. No one is declared right before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Here's the point. Play by the rules. Die by the rules. You break them. You're under the curse of all of them. Look at the last verse. If the law had been given, if if a law had been given that could give life, in other words, if there was a set of rules that you could keep and those rules would impart to you life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. Law keepers would make it into heaven. But the scripture imprisoned everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Here's the point. The law wasn't given to save. The law was to break through and tell us you cannot do enough. Now, think about this. Right, uh, there were people in the Old Testament who were called righteous. In fact, you find them in the New Testament, Mary and Joseph, parents of Jesus. Joseph, was, and it says very clearly, Joseph was a righteous man. Righteous in that he kept the law. But, but how, wait a minute, that's... Do you keep it or you don't keep it? Think about this. Righteous Jews like David, Joseph, Mary, Simeon, Anna were righteous for three reasons. One, they knew they were sinners and they did not measure up. See, they, they looked at the law and they go, whoa, I don't measure up. Secondly, they were believers in God's pers- God's coming Messiah who would deliver them from their sin. They're like, hey... I'm doing the law, I'm keeping the law, I'm performing these sacrifices, not so that they will save me, but because they point to the one who is coming. And Mary and Joseph, Anna and Simeon, in the Christmas story, they said he finally came, finally came. Anna and Simeon, these Old Old Testament believers, were not in the temple because they thought, if I go to church, I'll be saved. They were in the temple waiting for the revelation of God's righteousness. And they obeyed the law as sinners who put their faith in what only God t- could do for them. So that when God came, notice your second point, Christ came to put an end of the law of Moses in any law-keeping effort. Now, here's where it gets tough. Circle in your notes or in your Bible the, w- the words, the end. The end. Christ is the end of the law. Circle those words. Christ is the end of the law unto righteousness in fact there's not even a definite article it, it's literally says christ is the end of law unto righteousness i've given you a couple translations that really interpret it but I, they interpret it accurately and it will help you to understand notice what the niv says christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes in other words christ fulfilled the law and set it aside so that everyone who believes in him could be saved. Notice what the NLT says. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Now that's probably as accurate of understanding of Romans 10:4 that you can have. There's a very accurate understanding. Perhaps what I have written underneath it might even Help you further. That little word, the end, has a lot of meanings. And these guys struggle. Well, what meaning is Paul looking for? And I would put forth to you, he left it that way so that we would see all these meanings of this word, the end. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration, try to clarify this, but look at what it says in your notes. Christ is the culmination of the law, he culminates, climax it, completes it. Why? Because he is its goal. Ending can mean goal. He is its fulfillment. Ending can mean fulfillment. And he is its ending or termination in order that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes.
1: Let me give you an illustration so that your head doesn't hurt. We talk about the end of a race. Talk about the end of the race, the finish line. The end of the race, the finish line
0: represents several things. First of all, it represents the goal of the race. What are you running to, Bill? You're running to the finish line. I just when you're running, all you're thinking is I just got to get to the goal. I gotta get to the goal. I gotta get to the goal. Secondly, when you're running that marathon, why is that that finish line your goal? Because it means it's the end of the race. End of your suffering. Beginning of your glory. I finished, right? So the finish line is your goal. It's also you're, you're the end of the race. And when you hit the finish line, you fulfilled that which you started, right? So there's your picture of this word. There's your word picture. Christ is the finish line of the law because he's what the law had been running toward. He is the one who fulfills the law and he's the
1: one who says, now the law is over. Quit running that race. They ought to all be grinning from ear to ear saying, Thank you, Jesus. He's your finish line. Isn't that a glorious thing? What do we read in Romans 9? The Jews are pursuing
0: righteousness.
1: They're running. They're running.
0: And the problem is, they've gotten off track and they're running the wrong race. And there is no finish line. The finish line's Christ. And if Christ is the finish line and I'm running and
1: I'm running to keep the law and he's the end of it, then I need to look at him and quit running. Is that helpful? Let me give you four points. Number one, Christ fulfilled the law perfectly
0: christ fulfilled the law that's what he means christ is the fulfillment of the law he fulfilled it perfectly from the day he was born to the day he died he ran the race he ran it perfectly he kept the rules he never got out of bounds he wasn't disqualified he didn't stop to rest he was perfect number two christ is the goal that the law always pointed to and pictured christ was the goal that the law always pointed to in picture. Every sacrifice uh, in my daily reading now, I just started Leviticus and I'm going through all the sacrifices, the burn offering, the grain offering, the free will offer. Everyone points to Jesus. Every altar that was built pointed to the cross. Every priest that was anointed pointed to Jesus, the high priest. Every king that was exalted pointed to Jesus, the king. Every prophet that spoke Pointed to Jesus. He's the goal of it. He's pictured. The rock in the wilderness, that's Jesus. The manna that comes down, that's Jesus. Moses, that's Jesus. It all points to Him. Number three, Christ is the ending of the law in God's salvation plan. Christ is the ending of the law in God's salvation plan. Romans 3 says, Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. It's the law is set aside. Doesn't mean you don't read it. I'm reading Leviticus, but I read it now knowing Christ has done this all. As I read Leviticus, it now makes sense when you see that it's pointing to Christ. He's my burnt offering. He's my grain offering. He's my high priest that has written on his turban, holy unto the Lord. This is awesome stuff. All of that is fulfilled in him. And he put an end to me having to do it. I don't have to worry if my clothes are mixed with wool and whatever. I don't have to worry about drinking the milk of a young goat. I don't have to worry about eating shellfish of which we ate last night, celebrating my glorious birthday. I didn't have to worry about maybe I'm not right with God because I'm eating unclean fish.
1: I don't have to worry about all those things because all those things have been fulfilled and my wonderful Savior. Number four,
0: Christ is the culmination of the law in keeping with God's majestic, merciful purpose. Christ is the culmination of the law in keeping with His majestic, merciful, missional purpose. Because here's the deal. What did the law do in the Old Testament? It separated Israel from the rest of the world. And with the removal of the law, now anyone can come to Christ. You don't have to be a Jew. Men, you don't have to be circumcised. Ladies, you don't have to be set apart. None of that. You just come to Christ. So that brings us to the fifth and final reason why good people won't go to heaven. And that's this, number five. Only Christ. Only Christ is good enough to go to heaven. Only Christ is good enough. Why don't good people go? Because they're not good enough. How good do you have to be? You've got to be as good as Jesus. Only Christ is good enough. Look again at verse 4, and I don't mean to be subtracting from the Word of God, but if Christ is the end of the law unto righteousness, then let's just eliminate that from that verse for a moment. What are you left with? Christ is righteousness to everyone who believes. Hey, if he's the end, then let's set the law
1: aside and let's understand this. Christ is righteousness to everyone who believes. You see, religion is spelled do. Try harder. Try harder to be what? Religious, zealous, do good, keep the rules. Try harder. But Christianity, Christianity, is spelled done. Done. Why? Because on that cross, Christ put an end to the law.
0: He put an end to being religious. He put an end to zeal without knowledge. He put an end to doing good to try to earn brownie points with God. He put an end to pl- trying to keep the rules to measure up. Christ has done what we could not do. And that's be good enough in God's eyes. So what, what do you have there in your notes? Christ is the righteousness of God.
1: Christ is what God requires to everyone who believes. Now, all I did was there in
0: your notes, I took those same four points that we already looked at, and I just showed you Christ
1: did this. So what's this mean? If he's done it, then guess what? He's the standard. So let me ask you this morning, have you lived a life that's as good as Jesus? I don't mean aspire to, I mean, have you lived in heart and soul? He's the standard. But let me tell you
0: something else. He's God's saving activity. He's the saving action of God. What he did in his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection is what God has done to make you right with him. He's the saving action of God. Furthermore, he's the standing of being right. God now gives what Christ has done and Christ himself. He gives that to you as a free gift. There, I've done it for you. Now, here it is as a free gift. And then that means that Christ
1: is God's savior. Did you get those words in 10.4? Please don't take them lightly to everyone
0: who believe to everyone. You know what? That's good news this morning. We've heard, we spent a lot of time on the bad news. You know why we need to? Because we just don't believe
1: that we're really that bad. But listen to something. Everyone means, yes, good people can go to heaven. But they have to admit that they're not good enough. That means bad people can go to heaven. That's good news. See, there's two
0: kinds of people in this world. People that think they could somehow be good enough and people that know I could never be good enough and both can be a barrier to coming to Christ. Because see, the good person says, I don't need that, I'm good enough. And you know what the bad person says? And maybe you said this. I'm so bad, he could never save me. But here's the good news. Christ has done it. And he is righteousness forever. Everyone, lawbreaker and lawkeeper. I think that's beautiful. Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter. You say, well, does everyone get saved? No. There is some human. Remember we talked about human responsibility? Romans
1: 10, human responsibility. Everyone who does what? Christ is righteousness for everyone who
0: believes. Now say it like you believe it. Christ is righteousness for everyone who... One more time, you can do better. Christ is righteousness for
1: everyone who... Now I think you might believe it. You know, is it any wonder that Romans 1, 16 through 17 is the theme of the book of Romans? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation
0: to everyone, everyone who believes. To the Jew first, but also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God, how to be right with God is revealed from faith for faith. It is written,
1: the righteous not live by what you do. The righteous Shall live by faith in what Christ has done. So let me give you two things. This was a this these last two weeks was a lesson to make sure
0: we're thinking right. The think right lesson. But when we think right, we will act right. Let me challenge you with two things, and they're simply this. You have heard these last two weeks, five reasons to stop trying harder and start trusting the gospel. So if you're here this morning and you don't know the answer to that question, you aren't 100% sure that you would go to heaven. I would press you and, and challenge you to say the reason you probably don't know is because you're trying to measure up. You're trying to be good enough or you know that you're so bad that you could never get in. Stop trying. Start trusting. Five reasons. I gave you five reasons. Now, many of you you 're not Avis you 're not trying harder, you 've believed. So what does these last two weeks mean for us? I just gave us five reasons to stop
1: the silent and start sharing the gospel. Listen, this is good, good And we need to share it, and it can start with. You ever thought that good people won't make it in heaven, huh? Yeah, let me
0: let me tell you a couple of reasons. You can never know if you're good enough, and you can never be good enough. That will start
1: you. Gospel present. Let's pray. Father, we've we've shared the gospel these last two weeks, and
0: now it's time to respond. And I pray that we will respond by trusting you more, sharing more. And that we'll have a little worship service in our hearts, in our relationship with you, because you are
1: the the race of running to be better over. you fulfilled all that is required, and it's a
0: free gift. The Lord, we say thank you, and we live lives that say, because it's done.